0: Tonight, uh, we're going to spend most of our time tonight in Genesis, so you can have your Bible open as well as your notes. But uh, we're going to start uh, tonight on the doctrine of human beings. What does it mean to be human? Who are who are we? What are we doing here? Um, obviously, when we started this. Series back at the beginning of the year, we wanted to establish a strong foundation for the doctrines that we teach and preach. And uh, all along, we've been kind of flowing with the scriptures. We've talked about God. We've talked about the Trinity of God. We've talked about angels. Last week, we talked about evil spirits and demons. As we kind of move down the ladder, the next rung is where we are. We are a little bit lower than the angels, but we are crowned with glory and honor. So we are going to talk about human beings and what it means uh, to be human in our relationship to God and in our relationship to one another. All right, so let's begin. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 tells us, that human beings are a direct creation of God. Humans are distinct from all other creatures in their origin. Uh, we know that God made everything. We go to that list of go to that list of Genesis. That um, day one, day two, day three. On down to day six. God is creating, forming, making uh, the world for us to live in. Alright, I was getting a lot of feedback there, so I'm gonna I'm gonna mute you for the moment, but when it's time to ask questions, I will open it up again. Alright, so humans are distinct even though we're part of nature. Even though we are of the natural world, we were created distinctly apart from all the other creatures that God made. What does this mean? Well, this would rule out evolving from a lower life form. So, you know, the current model of evolution teaches that there was uh, some cosmic event uh don't know how don't know exactly when don't know really know why but somehow the whole universe exploded into being uh and things began to move and things began to shake and fast forward 13 something billion years and uh, life begins to form spontaneously and one-celled creatures become two-celled creatures and then they become frogs and lizards and dinosaurs and and birds and cows and sheep and woolly mammoths and somewhere in all of that uh, a species began uh went through all kinds of mutations all kinds of evolutions and eventually after passing off different branches into chimpanzees and gorillas and lemurs, and all the other things, homo sapien was was the final outcome. That is not the biblical story. <laughs> the biblical story is that God made all those other creatures, that they didn't evolve, and that he made man as well. It would also rule out the idea of some sort of alien life being responsible for human beings on earth. We Much as I love the Superman movies and comics, uh, there was no planet Krypton. (laughs) Uh, Or if there is a planet Krypton somewhere, it didn't send a a probe to Earth to to plant uh, life on human beings on Earth. Uh, The Bible would rule that out as well. And the Bible would also rule out multiple versions of humanity existing Simultaneously, so there's ever only been one type of human being: the Australopithecus, the Neanderthal, the uh, all, all the different variations that the modern uh, scientific community uh, believes were all different kinds of human beings. The Bible would not allow for that interpretation either. So, human beings are direct creations and human beings exist by uh, the special act of God. Do I have any comments or questions on number one? Bishop, Yeah, um,
1: like the Neanderthals, where would they come in into God's creation then?
0: Well, uh, You know, there were uh, other species of creatures that may have resembled humans in some outward form without being truly human in the sense of bearing the image of God. That's a possibility. We also know that there were uh, very uh, extreme... Um, biological differences in the prior to the flood, in terms of environment, in terms of human longevity, in terms of uh, of uh, human uh, accomplishment, uh, and so they could certainly have been a a uh, a type of uh, a descendant of uh, you know Cain or a descendant of one of the other. Uh, branches that came out from Adam that ultimately, uh, you know, didn't survive the flood. Um, you know, and and I don't want to, su- you know, I'm not trying to suggest that all science is wrong. I, I want to be clear about that. Um, you know, the science can tell us a lot of things. It's useful, it's helpful in many aspects of our lives. But when it comes to the origin of, of our universe and the origin of life and the origin of well, of human beings. Um, it, it carries with it certain presuppositions that are openly atheistic and, uh, and exclude divine activity from the possibility. So, uh, you know, there's, there's certainly a lot more that we don't know than there is that we do know, uh, but we can we can be certain, at least from a scriptural perspective, that uh, all human beings, all those that can claim to be truly human, were created directly by God. Human beings are created in the image of God. Uh now this is a very rich, very deep concept. Um it's really sort of uh uh in one sense it's hugely flattering to us as human beings, uh, but it also comes with a a tremendous level of responsibility. So you know before we get too high on ourselves, we should understand that being an image bearer of God is a a huge obligation as much as it is a privilege. Uh, So what does it mean to be an image bearer? Image, the word image primarily conveys the idea of representation. An image is a visible reflection of an invisible reality. So. It's actually the same word. It's a very common word, actually, in the Bible. The majority of the time it is used, it is used in a negative way. We, we, it's the same word that we get words like icon and idol from. So when a you know when a pagan uh, priest creates, you know, takes a block of wood and cars an image of their god and places it in that temple you know that is an image that is what that word means it's a representation of uh, of whatever that priest or that cult believes in uh where where it is a, where it is positively applied is in the example of humanity the image of god is uh the visible reflection in us of the invisible divine God who created the world. We know that God is not a man. We know that God is not a woman. We know that God does not have a physical form in his original state. So we know it's not a physical representation. It's not an idol. Uh, it's a representation of God's spiritual nature, of God's... Um, of the invisible things of God that can be visibly seen in the life, in the conduct, in the the thoughts and the heart, the will of a human being. The image of God in humanity uh, is mostly directly related to God's purpose for humanity. So God did not make us in his own image just to prove that he could, or just to somehow elevate us for no reason we have been made in the image of God because we have been given a divine purpose by God. When um, we need those qualities of God to fulfill that purpose, humans possess those qualities of God that empower the fulfillment of our purpose. So, you know, Genesis one we see the Trinity, uh, uh, coming together, conferencing over how to make man. In verse 27, we see they make man in their own image. And then in verse 28, they assign man the task for which he was made. So those three ideas are are very much tied together. You cannot divorce the image of God from the purpose of God in creating humanity so what qualities of god can we be as human beings can we be said to be representative of and i've given you some examples it's not it's not a complete list there are many other things that could be added but these are sort of the main areas in which our human uh, our humanness reflects uh, various qualities of god's own nature the first of these is that humans are personal. Uh, each one of us has an individual identity and self-awareness. We are unique individuals. Uh, you know, you can, you can have identical twins that are alike physically in every way and yet have very different personal identities. This is reflective of God as a personal God. He's not a force. He's not an energy field. He's not, you know, the quantum soup from which everything came. He is a personal being, an individual. Uh, actually, he is three personal beings. And our own personal beingness is reflective of that. Uh, we also understand that humans reflect God in the fact that we are moral. Uh, We each have a conscience and a consciousness of good and evil. Uh, Acts that would be completely uh, natural for any other creature that God made on earth to commit, we would define as evil, as wrong. Uh, You know, think of, uh, you know, think when a male lion takes over, a pride, the first thing he does is kill all of the offspring of the previous leader of the pride so that the female lions will want to reproduce again. Um, we look at that in a nature documentary and we say, wow, if you or I did that, <laughs> we would be convicted as murderers and put to death. We, we make that distinction of right and wrong when it comes to human behavior as opposed to the behavior of other uh, creatures. And that is a, 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 a that, mo- that moral nature is part of our reflecting the nature of God. Uh, we also know that humans are social, and that we seek fellowship with others of like mind. So this, again, reflects the social fellowship in the Godhead, the interrelationship between Father, Son, Spirit, is reflected in our own relationships and in our own conduct. We see that humans are volitional, that each has a will and the freedom to choose. Uh, This is, you know, for the most part, uh, uh, animals, uh, for the most part, operate on their natural instincts. You can teach that you know, the higher, the more intelligent ones, the dolphins and the, the monkeys and the dogs, can be taught uh to go against their nature, or it can be conditioned to uh, to uh ignore their instincts. But that is only when they're conditioned to do so by, you know, intensive training at the hands of human beings. Um, you know, tigers eat antelopes, you <laughs> know. Dogs chase cats. Monkeys climb trees, or at least most of them do. Uh, they they live instinctively. Um, you know they're 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 not they don't have a free will in the sense that you and I have a free will to choose uh, what to do or or where to go. And so that's a, that's a, another representation. Of that image of God in us, and then the last thing here is humans are vocational uh we have purpose, and we have a desire to fulfill that purpose uh we are ambitious and we are determined um, you know we have we have a sense of destiny, a sense that we're here for a reason, even those that would totally reject the idea of God, even those that would Reject the idea of it of an intelligent creator. Uh, still have you know a determined purpose in their life, even if that purpose is to prove to everybody that God doesn't exist. And so, by displaying that purpose, that vocation, uh, they are even themselves giving testimony to the image of God. All right, do I have any questions on the image of God as reflected? in human beings.
2: Um,
3: I just wanna acknowledge and like um just look at the fact that how grateful we are to be created in the image of God because it I believe it creates a sense of, like, relation and brings us closer to Him because I know one of the scriptures, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, and that's something that we, as human beings, could understand and relate to a point where it would, like, build a relation between us and God. I think that that's also important that we acknowledge that too.
0: Well, I meant to that. Absolutely. That's, that's 100% correct. We have a very, we have, we have a, a relationship with our creator that none of the other creatures do. And that's worth celebrating. That's worth uh, giving thanks for. Number three. Human beings are created in two distinct genders. Male and female. Uh, God's nature is complex and is best expressed in diversity. Um, God's qualities are expressed through both masculinity and femininity. So both male and female are reflective of the image of God, and a more complete representation is achieved by the union of male and female in marriage. So uh you know, you ask the reason why are there two genders, uh because it takes at least two genders to uh for us human beings, at least those human beings, those of us that are not Jesus Christ, to express you know the full range and spectrum of of, of all of, of of God's vast quality. Um
2: you know, and and
0: even extend it beyond the gender realm. Just all of the varieties of people uh, is is all an expression of the the fullness of God's image. And uh, when we come together, particularly when we come together as man and woman, as men and wife, uh, there is a, a another dimension there that reflects. Of the of the quality of God and His image in us. Uh, do I have any comments or questions on human gender and the image of God? And There is a school
4: of um, thought now that Methodist school of thought is something that is really um, I've been ch- uh, trying over the years to um, to remove the gender tissue and to um create a neutral and neutrality of the human race so we don't want to use the pronouns to try to avoid the he and the she and, and those pronouns and to replace them with some neutral Words, uh and if you heard the, the the recent one that um um they're trying to remove the, I think they're trying to remove to the the baby feeding, um they call it breastfeeding. They call it uh like, chest feeding. <laughs>
0: um,
4: things like those, yes. So um <sighs> we just need to be aware of some of these um new vocabulary that they you know, they're introducing you now.
0: Yes absolutely. i I think the important thing we need to understand about this these these Bibles that don't use gender pronouns these you know these the changing of worship music, the changing of uh the way some people preach sermons or teach bible studies, none of this is being driven from scripture or from the Spirit of God. This is an accommodation movement to accommodate um, worldly and carnal um, sensitivities. Um, you know, a word-for-word a, a, a word translation of the Scriptures. If we believe, as we do, that the Scriptures are the inspired Word of God, Uh, and we translate those words, that vocabulary of scriptures faithfully, then there is no question that the scriptures, the scriptural terms that refer to God are masculine as a, when applied to the Father and the Son. But there's also feminine words, uh, associated with God as well. Let me give you an example. The word for wisdom. Sophia is a is a feminine word. Um, this this hypersensitivity that we might offend is is not is not coming from the scriptures themselves. It's just an accommodation that some people believe will help some people. I guess be less defensive or be more open. To the word of God. And, you know, a personal opinion here, I believe that's utter nonsense. The word of God is offensive, but not for that reason. (laughs) It's not offensive because it uses a masculine pronoun for God. It's offensive because it tells you you're a sinner and you're going to go to hell unless you repent and believe the gospel. And that's what people are offended by. And all this idea that, well, we can we can water it down so that people will be more accepting of it it's a false wicked demonic uh idea and it's it's, it's a doctrine of demons uh you know the, the the masculine the gender pronouns in the scriptures used for god are not intended in any way to diminish or demean the female form uh or a female uh, character, and as I said, there are plenty, plenty of of words in the scriptures that are also used to describe characteristics of God that are feminine in gender. Um, now we shouldn't get trapped here either in believing that God is only masculine, or that He's some kind of weird transgendered combination of masculine and feminine. That's not, God is not human. God, in, in his pure form, uh, I don't know that it's even fair to say that God has a gender at all. He is all things. Um, and, and he is not, you know, to be thought of uh, in the sense of being like us. But it is true that when he just, when he took human form, he took the form of a human male in the person of Jesus Christ. Um uh, We can debate. Yes, go ahead.
5: Um, however, I, I think it's very significant that when Jesus, when his disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, he said, Our Father, who art in heaven. He did. He, he could have said Our Mother, but he didn't. He said Our Father. And also when Jesus speak, and again, I, I understand the teaching that God is Spirit, the Holy Spirit is Spirit, but even Jesus, in speaking of the Holy Spirit, when he, when Jesus walked upon the earth, he referred to the Holy Spirit as He in the Old Testament. So I think it, it, it is important that Um, We highlight the fact that that God is seen and is taught in the scriptures as our father. Um, I think concerning the doctrine that you're talking about as far as changing all these pronouns um, in, in trying to make the gospel more acceptable to the world. I think, personally, I think the plan is more sinister than that. I personally think that not only is it because they don't want to offend, but I personally believe that it's because eventually we will see, even in our denomination.
0: There is a demonic attempt to undermine the fatherhood of God and the the whole concept of uh, Everything we're seeing happening now with human gender conversations, laws that are being proposed, is 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 certainly uh, tangentially connected to that. Um, and I don't want us to get it. You know, I don't want to get off track here. We'll we'll deal with human sexuality in a different uh, class. Uh, but when it comes to being made in the image of God. The the, the takeaway I want us to to come out with tonight is that females are no less image bearers than males are. Both men and women bear the image of God in their, again, those qualities that we mentioned earlier, personal, moral, social, volitional, vocational. Those are not masculine qualities. Those are not feminine qualities. Those are human qualities that let us know that we are um, uh, image bearers of of our creator.
5: I think like Brother Keith, um, he and I being in the school system and being right at the heart of what is going on in the public school system in the secular sense, um, it's just so very frightening to see what the school the government the community leaders are doing in that same agenda and um and i i just i mean as you said it is a doctrine of demons, and the one who's behind it is obviously satan but um uh i just um I just feel that um you know Even in our denomination, I think that we're not far away from the younger generation, the the ministers that are rising up, um, accepting this agenda, even in the church.
0: Well, I'm afraid I'm going to have to agree with you there, even though I wish I I didn't have to. Um, Many, you know, what we would think of as mainstream churches mainline denominations have already uh, capitulated to the to the culture and uh, to these demonic ideas and how long the Church of God will hold out how long the Pentecostal movement will hold out is is to, to be determined um, but you know, I'll just go back to what I said earlier none of this is being driven by scripture or doctrine. This is this is this is demonic. It is an accommodation theology that is um, manifesting itself in a lot of different ways, including this arena. And as far as you and Brother Keith and Brother Donald and all the all the rest of you that work in our public school systems, Mike, I I want you to know your pastor's praying for you. <laughs> that is an Awesome, awesome task that you have been called to, and you are you are the in the front lines. You are on you are on the very front lines of this culture war to utterly destroy all remnants of the Christian faith and of of just the knowledge of God. And uh, I commend you for for fighting the good fight. And I encourage you to, to stay at your post as long as you can, because, uh, if we lose our witness in the world, if we lose our witness in the public arenas, then, you know, and entire generations, even more so now than they are now, entire, we're, we're condemning entire generations to ignorance and darkness and bondage and, and, uh, and evil. So um thank you for for bringing that bringing that to to light and and just uh, go with God. <laughs> so that's the only the the best advice I can give. Thank you, pastor. Amen. All right, anyone else want to speak to this before we move to the next uh item? All right, human beings were are created to rule or have dominion over creation uh in God's name. And I want to be clear how we, we word this. Uh to rule as God's regents or his stewards is what is meant by ruling in his name. It's a it's a borrowed authority. It's a delegated authority. Uh, we were given dominion not because of any intrinsic authority or power that, you know, is present within us, but rather that authority has been delegated to us by our creator. And to rule in God's name means to rule as God rules, which is benevolently seeking the highest good of the world and its creatures. Uh, You know, the rule of God is very much different than the way that a king or a president or a prime minister would rule. You know, we we in America, we we see that when a president takes office and is given authority, uh, in theory, in theory, he's supposed to use that authority for the benefit of all Americans. The reality is, whether Republican or Democrat, they tend to use their authority to serve the interest of their own parties and of their own political fortunes. And, uh, you know, that is the temptation. That's always the temptation with authority, always, is to use it for your own personal benefit, uh, to get something for yourself. And uh, that is not the way that God would rule, and that's not how we are to rule in his name. Uh, To rule as God rules is to rule by tending uh, what God has given to us and extending what we have been given, the resources that we have been given uh, throughout the entire world. If you think of that beautiful garden that was where man and woman were first placed, uh, they were given two tasks. Task number one was to to tend to bring out the fullest potential of what god had already placed in their hands every tree that was good for fruit every creature you know that would come to adam uh, was to be was to be tended was to be again i'm going to use a gender term was to be husbanded uh and then to take those conditions those pristine perfect conditions in which they were placed, and extend them by subduing, by taking dominion over all the wild places and over all the chaotic places of the world. Uh, I was thinking about this not real long ago. You know, God could have made the whole world the Garden of Eden, right? But he, he, he only made one small part of it, the Garden of Eden, and he left the rest. I'm not going to say unfinished, but he left it in a sort of uh, wild condition, you know, a condition to which man was told, go out there and make everything else look like what you have here. What I've shown you, I've given you sort of the template. I've given you the pattern. I've shown you what I'm looking for from this planet. Now go out there and, and, and make it uh, make it like it should be. And that's a tremendous responsibility. And of course, you know, we could easily sit here and talk about all the different ways we have failed to do that very thing. And the world may be more chaotic and more wild today, more disordered today. Um, I and mean, it might have even been in the days of, of Adam and Eve. Number five says humans are created as body, soul, and spirit. Um, Humans are a unity of heaven and earth. Physically, we are of this world. But we also have the image of God and the spirit of God as the source of our life, of our of our livingness. Uh, that makes us that makes us a very unique creation, capable of 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 working and functioning in both realms. If the garden was where heaven and earth were to overlap and the and the kingdom of heaven and earth to begin, human beings are the ideal creation for that kingdom of heaven and earth coming together in unity. Um, now, this concept of body, soul, and spirit is a little difficult to, to break down. We recognize the body as the dwelling place or the tabernacle, the tent, the temple of the soul and the spirit. And the body actually requires the presence of the soul and the spirit to live. Um, if the soul and spirit leave the body, the body dies um the body in its present form is mortal but will become immortal when it is resurrected when it is regenerated um and let me say a little bit about that uh, there's sort of a i guess a maybe a, a sunday school uh version or sort of a sunday school type theology of uh you know, we live in this world temporarily in our bodies, but then we die and we go to heaven and that's our real home and that's where we're really going to live in eternity. That is not the teaching of scripture. Uh, human beings were created to be body, to be embodied and our bodies are going to be renewed and we're going to live on a new earth. Uh, you know, you know the, the the time in between the death of this body and the resurrection, it's true we will still be alive uh, in a spiritual uh, realm, but that is not our final destination. Um, as the body requires the soul and the spirit, so the soul and the spirit require the body. Uh the soul and the spirit cannot affect the world around them without the body. You know, the soul, can't, the soul has, has no tangibility with the physical world. The spirit has no tangibility with the physical world. The soul and the spirit require a physical form in order to carry out their mission. Uh, if we were pure spirit beings, we wouldn't be able to carry out the task that we have been given by God. To, to make the world uh, over on God's behalf. So uh, it does get a little confusing because the scriptures use the terms soul and spirit interchangeably, with no clear definition between them. So there's places in some places where the same idea is represented by the soul, and in another place the same idea is represented by the use of the word spirit. Um one interpretation among many is to see the soul as the unique uh, an individual identity of each life uh, that is the primary animator of the body. So the soul is sort of your unique identity, uh, your life as opposed to the life of anybody else, and the spirit is sort of the the nature of that life that gives it sort of its character and personality and will. And that's a very rudimentary interpretation. If it helps you, great. If it doesn't, don't worry about it. Because the best theologians in the world can't explain (laughs) adequately what is the true difference between the soul and the spirit. Uh. And it's important to remember that the scriptural emphasis is not on the various components of human existence, but rather on the unity of the human being as a whole person. So it's not like we would say, okay, I'm, I'm me just as a soul or I'm me just as a spirit. No, you are you and I am me because we are body, soul and spirit all together. Uh, we should be careful about making comparisons to the Trinitarian nature of God. Uh, since a human is one person with three constituent elements, but God is three persons that come together as a unity. But we can, we can think of a human being sort of as a type of Trinity, but not a direct one-to-one comparison with the Trinity of God. Uh, anyone have any thoughts here or questions on human beings as body soul and spirit
4: Um, yes pastor Um, what did you say um, about those um, persons who have had um, near death experiences when they are um, conscious of their surroundings they can tell you um what they are hearing around them, what um happened while they were of course experiencing maybe out of the out of body uh, with, with, while they were uh, having this out of body experience
0: um having not experienced it myself, I will be very careful. I have no reason to doubt the idea that the spirit can function independently of the body. Uh, we we read about the spirits of just men made perfect in heaven awaiting the resurrection. We have the uh, testimony of Revelation. I think it's chapter 4, maybe I could be wrong, it could be chapter 6. which talks about the souls of them that were slain. Uh, crying out, how long, O Lord? So I don't have any reason to doubt that the soul and spirit can be divided from the body and, and have a consciousness. You know, I don't, consciousness to me is not necessarily a physical phenomenon. Um, we have a brain, but the brain is not the same as the mind. You know, the brain is the physical organ, but the mind is something else. It's the the intelligence, it's the emotion, it's the, the will. So uh, I think in many of these cases, these experiences could very well be legitimate. Um, but I'm also very cautious because I, I recognize that some of those who've come back from these so-called experiences have reported things that are not consistent with God's word and an afterlife that is not, that is not uh, the afterlife that God has described in those few places where it's described. So I think there's great potential for deception when a person is in this kind of condition, if we are that close to death and we are not a born again believer, I think it's very possible that we could be a person could be vulnerable to some sort of demonic deception of of the mind at that hour. But uh, I, I've heard very reliable Hi. I've heard testimonies from very reliable born again spiritual believers and I don't have mm-hmm. I don't have any reason to doubt. Anybody else want to speak to that?
3: Yes, I'm sorry. I had to jump in because I've had an outer body experience and that's when I decided and knew that God was real and I was going to continue to live my life as a Christian because it was an experience that I don't know how to but the spiritual realm and God is real because, right, I saw myself, I saw myself, like I saw my body. I felt like a lightness and I heard God's voice telling me it's not your time and I was so happy. So <laughs> from my personal experience, I know God is real and the outer body experience for me is real. And I will forever to continue to serve Him because I do not want to. When the time does come that I'm in the wrong, in the wrong place spiritually.
0: Amen to that. If it brought you back to the Lord, Uh, then I would I would give God praise for it. Uh, I do want to give some guidance to to everyone on all spiritual experiences. Uh, we do not judge Scripture by our experiences. We judge our experiences by Scripture. Um, a, any experience that we have, you know, Paul reported, uh, I guess what we would describe an out-of-body experience, right? He said he was caught up to heaven, but he didn't relay anything that he saw you know, he didn't say, well, because I was caught up to heaven, I may now tell you this is the way to teach the gospel. He, he, he said, I'm not permitted to say those things. What I'm permitted to teach is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, you know, they, it, the the difference between the subjective experience and the objective word is very clear. And we need to maintain, and any experience we have, if it brings us to God, Makes us humble, makes us repentant, makes it, and, and strengthens our faith. We should give God thanks for it. We should, we should count it as a, uh, uh a blessing to have had such an experience if it's strengthened our faith in God. But, uh, we, we, we've, we don't want to legitimize every single type of spiritual experience there is to have, even those that clearly violate teachings of scripture. Um, and I'm not talking about uh, yours in any way, uh, sister. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, I've, I've, I've had people's, I've had a, a guy spend an hour trying to convince me that uh, he left his body and, and met uh, all these famous uh, people from the past human history and got all this wisdom from the great teachers of, you know, and, and just, I mean, just I, I you know, if it legitimately happened.
3: He probably if, would have been just, dead or so. I don't know about all that.
0: <laughs> if it was, if he was being honest, he had the most, uh, demonic experience you can have. Uh, so let's, you know, let's thank God <laughs> for those experiences that help us and, and let's not worry about the others. Okay. Well, um, we are coming up on 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 the hour here and we've only got through the first five so i, I think i think to do tonight is um it's in this class here and we will do a part 2 next week with the other five uh points cuz i i don't want to rush through them they're they're all very important for us to understand so You'll just save your notes, uh, and if you can think of any questions or anything else that you want to add to them, we'll come back uh, next week and start with number six. Uh, does anybody have any other comments or questions on anything that we've talked about tonight? Um, yes, Pastor.
1: I, sir? Yes, just, Pastor. would uh,
0: you go first? No, go ahead, sister.
1: Okay, thank you, Aunt Reverend. Uh, today I was um, experiencing just really bad pain, excruciating pain on my left side. It has been um, unofficially diagnosed as sciatica. Anyway, I have a doctor's appointment um, tomorrow, but I I was in bed just just suffering. And I called in kinda of late to um on the prayer line. Uh Reverend Fover and Brother Keith and I'm not sure who else was on the line and they prayed. And after that I slept and I was able to get up later in the afternoon and um make my dinner. And could be present in in Bible study, and I just want to give God thanks for you know the people who prayed. I just want to thank God for his kindness and his mercy and I just want to bless our just our people who know that there is a God who wants us prayer. Thank you very much amen
0: wonderful, wonderful okay. wonderful love to hear those testimonies. Brother, go ahead.
2: No, Pastor, I was just going to um, endorse your statement earlier about the outer body experience that we need to be careful that it lines up with the Word of God because sometimes we can really get carried away um, in ourselves. So that is why it's important that we study God's Word and depend on the Spirit to guide us into his truth that's what I just wanted to say as I listened on I think it's important that we note that 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 statement in the Bible tonight it's important that whatever we do lines up with the Word of God amen thank you for
0: endorsing that I believe I believe that God will give us wonderful, wonderful experiences. We can, we can have incredible experiences in the Spirit of God, but we always got to come back to the foundation of the Word of God and base our faith and, and base our preaching, our teaching, on those solid doctrines uh, that the Word inspires. All right. All uh, right. Any any prayer requests? Anyone have a need you'd like to share? You've heard a testimony already of healing tonight, so you know God is able. God, praise God. All right, well, let me just encourage you to pray for our nation. Our nation. I know the... Uh, the authorities are concerned about some activity tomorrow in our nation's capital. Let's just pray for peace. Let's pray for all those that uh, are upholding uh, the law and order of our nation, Constitution. and Let's continue to remember those who are sick. This virus is still uh, affecting lives all over the world here in America, here in Florida, Broward County, and so let's just keep praying for those, and let's just pray again. I, I know that my sister Esther brought up earlier about what's happening in our schools, and this just all out assault. Uh, uh, really on God, but they're using, they're using the family unit, they're using the home, they're using marriage, they're using uh, even basic ideas like boys and girls to, to try to undermine and destroy the foundations of our nation and our, our community. And so we just want to stand against that as a people in prayer. Uh, Reverend, if you're still with us, would you close us out in prayer tonight?
2: Yes, sir. Father, we, we want to praise your name and thank you for the word the word that gives life lord, lord the word that you speak it is spirit and it's life lord we thank you for your many blessings amidst life's struggles and disappointments and distress and frustration we have you lord to to be our guide and our compass just help us lord to put ourselves and walk with you through all of this. We thank you for the testimony of healing. Lord, we appreciate your healing power. Lord, we pray for our nation as we go through these these division and and, 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 and conflict. We pray that you will bring peace to the hearts of men that need to know you as their savior. But the only way, Lord, we can, can have peace is to find peace with god i pray that you will continue lord to to keep us in your in your mighty hand we we pray you bring healing to the the land uh, this land and across the world lord as we go into this difficult time of the coronavirus pandemic oh god i pray for our schools, the children in our schools, and the false teachings and things that are around. We pray that you'll keep our minds steadfast on you. Help us to walk in faith, Lord, recognizing that the lives that we live in this life are lives, Lord, that, that should be lived in faith by the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. But oh, we pray it comes it our pastor bless our church bless those who are shut in. i pray you meet their needs lord whether it be financial spiritual whatever it is lord i pray that you will just oh uh, god just just look down from heaven lord and touch your people everywhere and give us peace and grace to walk with you bless this this bible study class tonight inspire us lord to get into your word lord so we can be better people in reaching the lost for the kingdom of God, bless the church of God, O oh God, the body of Christ. Bring us in unity, Lord, so that we will not compromise that which you have given to us to preach. Sanctify our lives as we walk with you. Bless our pastor and his family. Continue to anoint him and give him uh, a word, Lord, for for our congregation, so that as he leads us. Into deeper depths and the higher heights, we will follow, Lord, and become even better people for You and for Your kingdom. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen and amen. 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 amen.
0: amen. 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 Thank you, brother. I thank all of amen. you for being with us tonight. God bless you. Have a good evening. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>
3: This has been a production of the Lighthouse Church of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. You are welcome to join us for service every Sunday at 1030 a.m. For more information or to support our ministry, visit our website at www.lhcogfl.org. Or if you're in the Broward County area, we would love for you to visit our church located at 1890 Southwest 31st Avenue, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33312. God bless you. Until next time, this is the Lighthouse Church of God, lighting the way through
1: the storms of life.